join me in a quick prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we have come into this sanctuary, your holy ground, in a posture of worship, and I pray that we would continue to do so as we hear your word proclaimed. Let anything that would be standing in the way of hearing your truth, be it things that we are suffering through, walking through, be it our own minds that drift, Lord, focus our minds, bodies, souls, our hearts on your truth this morning, including my own. Fill this room with your Holy Spirit. Let us draw nearer to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you um, can locate your baby pictures? Raise your hand. Can you locate your baby pictures? Good, 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 good. Yeah, so I was, I, I was stumbling across baby pictures and, and thinking about this, um, this sermon this morning, and it all makes sense. It all kind of ties together, so thank you for having a baptism today, because it just, <laughs> it goes right on with the message. But as I was looking at baby, I looked at Carrie's baby picture, and I just was, you know, struck by, by just how cute I was. No, by just how, I was just struck by as you, as you look at uh, pictures of babies, or if, if you've ever been around a baby, or if you've had the blessing of having a baby, and you look at them, and you think, how in the world, how in the world would they ever grow up to be what they're going to be? I look at Carrie and I, and I think of all the stories, the experiences, the struggles, the things that we each individually did, that God would work in such a way that he would join us together that we, would, uh, that we would become married, and that we would produce those three little nuggets right there. I mean, those are, those are aren't they adorable? <laughs> I wanted to show, here's a little, it's not, this is not written down. I wanted to show um, a picture of what they look like immediately after they're born, and then I decided against that, because I thought, one, as they get older, they would probably kill me, because this is all over internet. And two, I don't know if Carrie would enjoy being in those pictures and having that plastered all over the internet immediately after she gave birth. But I was, I was struck by that too, looking at those videos, because when babies come out, they don't look like that. They come out and they are definitely, they're, they're covered. It is, it is, they're, they're not cleaned up. Uh, and yet it is very, very, it is the most joyous thing that I've probably ever witnessed and ever seen. And when they place that baby on, on the baby's mom, on Carrie, and it's just all the feels, right? How could this ever, how could life ever be thought of as an accident? How could life ever be thought of as not having God's hand being a part of it, that it was random or without purpose? These three kids, God willing, will grow up into adulthood. God willing will hopefully someone that is going to bless them and treat them right, you better believe, treat them right, that they may have their own, all this by God's hand. I don't know what it's going to be, but God does. The Lord knows exactly the days that are, each of them will have what's going to be. They will grow up to be. We're introducing a new series. We, we left Simple Living. Simple Living, again, is, is kind of like our church's way of, of growing deeper into the Lord, discipleship, how we share the Lord, evangelism. That is all those simple ways, study the life, invest. I won't go through all those. That was what we just did. And now we're turning our sights to asking the question, who does Jesus, who does God say 
I am. And notice the little I. This is coming from the Gospel of Mark. If you uh, know that story, there comes a time where Jesus gathers his disciples around and he asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street? What are folks saying I am and who I, what I am doing? And the disciples, all the disciples start rattling off these little near truths, these little kind of not quite getting it statements. And then Peter not by his own will, mind you, by the power of the Lord himself, raises Peter up in that conversation and looks to Jesus and says, you are the Christ, the Christ. You know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, Christ. You are the Messiah. And that is a huge deal. Huge deal at that point. This before the crucifixion, this is before Peter's denials of Jesus, where Peter says, I don't know who you are, three times. It's before any of that. And yet Peter, through the power of the Lord, is able to rightfully say, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And so for all of you who profess a faith in Jesus Christ, or if you're seeking to profess a faith in Jesus Christ, when you profess that faith, when you say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, you're doing exactly what Peter is doing. You are saying, you, Jesus, are the Christ. And so what Jerry and I are, are wanting to now challenge us with that is, if you hold that as a true anchor in your life, now ask Jesus, who does he say I am? Not to put the focus on us, oh no. Who does Jesus say I am so that I may live in this faith, in this vibrant faith, to have my everyday waking and sleeping hours to magnify and glorify the Lord. Who do you say, I am Jesus, if I profess you the Christ? And the reason why we want to do that is because of the world that we find ourselves in. Now, here's the thing. The world is has not changed much in the way of this. This has been an ongoing problem for eons because humanity is sinful and we like to do our own things and make up our own decisions and our own identities of who we are. But right now, especially now, as we see getting played out on social media, as we see it getting played out in the world, people kind of get together just like the disciples and they have false ideas of who they are. We put our identity in other things other than Jesus. You've heard this before, but it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing struggle for all of us. And so we must, in order to not have a false identity, in order to not have a very limited view of who we are, we must ask the Lord, Lord, I place my faith in you. Who do you say I am? What is your call? What is your will on my life? being a follower of Christ. And so for the next 10 weeks, 10, that's going to bring us right up to November where we're going to be all be thinking about turkey. That means I've got two, three months to start losing some more weight before I can have that turkey. Lord, pray for me, right? But for those 10 weeks leading up to that from now to then, these are the qualities, these are the things that we have found in Scripture that God, the Lord, the triune God says we are. We are known before creation. Actually, you know what? Why don't you say these? Go back there. We are known before creation. Go back. Quick. This is a good moment. Can you go back to the other side? There we go. No, 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 the other side. First side. Lord. Okay. We are known before creation. We are created fallen. 
We are redeemed by the shed blood of Christ. We are a new creation. We are children of God. We are called. We are empowered. We are gifted. We are gathered in community. We are sent. Look at that list. Look at that list. You may look at that list and you think, oh, Lord, that is a tall order. But here's, here, here's the deal. We are all of those things, not because of your power and not because of your strength and not because of how great you are. We are, and, not be, and also not, be, not about how bad you are. We are all of those things because Christ says we are. And that is just a powerful thing to look at. So today, we're going to look at known before creation. And I struggled with this just, just a tad because known before, we're, we're, not, we're not starting at the beginning, we're starting before the beginning, okay? And so that is kind of like a meta thing that you just had to get your minds around. What does it mean? What does it mean that scriptures tell us that we are known by God before he even said let there be light. It's amazing, right? That's just mind-boggling. So let's, let's look, let's look, let's dive into that. And how I, how my mind works, so you're going on a journey in the mind of Mike, how my mind work in, in trying to, to organize my thoughts, I thought about if-then statements. Any math people in here? That's math, right? If-then, is that geometry, sure, or science, right? I'm not a science person, I'm English. Well, I have no business doing this. But that's where my mind went, if-then. So if God says, you are known before time began. Then the first thing that came to my mind is, then we were in his mind of the creator before he created. Okay? What is the implications of that? Let's look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139, if you want to open up your pew Bibles to page 618, if you got it in your phone, you can look at phone, or you can look up at it at the screen. Psalm 139 is one of the best psalms that I could go to to really hammer home this truth that we are known before time began, that, that we were in God's mind, in the Creator's mind before He created. Looking at Psalm 139, we're actually going to go right to the middle first. Eventually, we'll go back to the front, but let's go to the middle, verses 13 through 16. This is what it says. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. That is such a powerful statement. So if we are, if we are known before time began, that means we were in his mind before he created. So let's go to the story of creation. Let's go to the story of creation. And as we look at the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1, it is very easy to look at Genesis chapter 1 and think of it in segment, segmented days. You know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 six, and on the seventh day, he rested, because that's how it's written. But I would challenge you, as you look at the epic of creation in those seven days, don't look at it as little isolated instances. In other words, it's not that God woke up one day and was like, oh, the world is vast and chaotic. Let me put light and day in there. Boom. And that was done. He's like, oh, I'm tired, and he fell asleep. 
And then he woke up and he said, what else am I going to do today? God is not making dinner for a family of five and trying to figure out what is he going to make, okay? This is a, a continuous act of creation. Everything with intentionality and purpose, even humanity. So as the psalmist says, before my days were even here, you knew them. The message says it's an open book before you. This means that humanity is not accidental. It is made with intention. You are here with the great intention of the great and almighty creator. There was a plan from start to finish, and everything he did and created had a purpose and pointed to his glory. And that does not change just because humanity fell and sinned against him. In spite of our sinfulness, we are still called, we are still designed, we are still here to point back and reflect to the glory of the Lord. That's how powerful he is, that no matter how dirty and sinful we are, we still can do that by his will and by his design. Being known before time began, the truth that we are to lock away and what I'll repeat over is that we're not accidents. We're not accidents. That word gets thrown around. Oh, it was, you're an accident. If you, have, if you have siblings, if you're an older sibling, you may have once or twice told your younger sibling, you're an oopsies. And that was, you know, or maybe that was me. That was probably, that was, I had three younger sisters. My middle sister, Sarah, and I, we always bucked heads. And I always looked at the pictures on the wall. She had more, um, she had more uh, eyes that, that were different than us. And I was like, look, you're obviously, you know, adopted. Your eyes are different than ours, Right. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, to please don't, but you know, but we're not accidents. Even though the world would say that we are accidents, we are not accidents. I looked at uh, the book that Jerry held up last week called The Purpose Driven Life. You may have been familiar with that. It's written by Rick Warren. It's a very, very, very popular book. It's a very, I would say it's a great book that kind of takes these big theological ideas of purpose and calling and puts it in a manageable way that you can understand. And the first chapter, as Jerry told us, opened up with the line, this is not about you. Chapter two opens up with the simple line, you're not an accident. Rick Warren says this, the intentionality of life, regardless of the circumstances of or who your parents are, God had a plan in creating you. It doesn't matter whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent, God knew that those two individuals individuals possessed exactly the right genetic makeup to create the custom you that he had in mind. Sit with that for a second. There may be some of us in here who did not have picture-perfect beginnings. There may be some of us in here who have no idea who their birth mother and birth father are. There may be some of us in here who've had childhoods of great tragedy and trauma. But regardless of all of that, you need to know, as the psalmist says, you were in God's mind before he created. And in spite of all of that brokenness, the things that are in your life, the stories, the experiences, the gifts, the struggles, the triumphs, all of them are being woven together with great intentionality for you to know who he is 
And then if you profess a faith in Him, to use those experiences to share them with others. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book, um, the title just escaped my mind, but in this book, I think it's The Problem of Pain, in this book, he talks about God being the master artist. And then he says that when an artist is creating his self-portrait, his magnum opus, he pours painstakingly into this, this, this piece of art. And, and draws in the very, very qualities that he wants into that piece of artwork. And then what I would say to you is that the artist drew you in with everything that is unique about you. Your race, your gender, your family, all of those things have been organized and orchestrated by God so that you would know that you are His, that you're not an accident, and that there was a great purpose for your life. You all tracking on that? Amen. Okay, good. And that everything that you have going on in your life can be used to reflect him. I think of my, my life, because I'm the expert on that. I'm up here. I think of my, the, the things that have happened in my life. All of the stories that have happened. I am in ministry for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons that, that, that got me into full-time vocational ministry, see, I was a teacher, then I was a part-time youth pastor, and then in that church that I was a part-time youth director for, they wanted me to come on full-time. But the only way that they could do that, because they couldn't afford a full-time youth director, but they could afford a person who can fulfill two purposes, two jobs. And so they made me the worship director as well. You know why? Because through my life, I knew music. I had no intentions of ever going on to be a professional musician. I thought about it at once, and I thought, nah, it's not for me. I just enjoy playing. And never ever thought after college that I would ever play music really again for anybody else, just for my own. And here I find myself in this little church plant in, in uh, Fleming Island, Florida, that is able to now have me come on full-time ministry staff because I have these skills in music. It totally blew my mind that all of these things that happened as I was growing up allowed me for this, and that set me on the trajectory that, of being here now today. I think of my time in college. You've heard my story. I majored in fraternity for two and a half years. <laughs> and in so doing, went into that life, and all of that life holds. Fast forward back to that Fleming Island Church. Now I'm a youth director. And I've got students asking me, they want to join a fraternity when they go to college. You were a fraternity guy. What does it mean? And here God gave me a storybook of examples to explain to these kids what the pitfalls are and what the things to look out for, to understand that college has many swimming pools that you can dive into and the water's fine in each one of them. So you've got to be careful when you dive into the fraternity pool because you could very well lose yourself, because I had experienced that. And so I was able to use that for them. My wife and I, God gave me this woman who is uniquely talented and gifted in places that I am woefully inept, right? I mean, so thank you for that. And, and then lo and behold, there are some things, skills that I have that fill in the spaces that she, that she suffers with. That's all by God. And then when we, when we got pregnant the first time, and lost that baby to a miscarriage. 
and then had another miscarriage in between Caleb and Caris, than to be within a community of people, friends, who are walking through those same struggles. See, even the struggles, the triumphs, everything that is going on, all the things that we have experienced, the challenges, the headaches, the praises, the triumphs, they all can be used. And that is because you were in the mind of the Creator before He created. And there's a great intention and purpose on your life. You are not an accident. The beginning of Psalm 139, the psalmist says it this, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me, known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful and too high. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there, and if I make my in Sheol, in the depths, in the mire of my soul, you are there as well. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You were in the mind of the Creator before He created. All the days of your life have been ordered, have been numbered, have been set out before you. That means you are not an accident. That means that we have a God that's very much in the midst of everything that we are doing. And if you ever doubt that, you can just look to Jesus, because who is Jesus? The Gospels say Jesus is God's own Son who came and made His tent with us, tabernacled with us in the midst of us. And that was not an accident either. That was all planned out from the beginning. Now, you may make your mind go, well, doesn't that mean X, Y, Z? And you go down these tracks of, uh, if God knows this, then why does he let this happen? Remember what the psalmist says, I can't fathom all of those thoughts. And that's not for us necessarily to fathom. Sure question and, and study, but sit in the anchored truth that in spite of all of that, he still created you and still has a purpose for you. If we were created, if we were known, excuse me, before time began, it also means this, that you were born for such a time as this. If you were to turn to the book of Acts chapter 17, there is a, um, a passage here. Paul is now in Athens and he is kind of ministering to folks and he's seeing all of the idols that are down on the streets of all these different gods and he's getting very verklept about that and he's, he's going on, do you like that? Getting very uh, upset about that and he starts telling anyone and everyone he, he can about who Jesus is and he starts kind of a ruckus and they said, okay, all the philosophers are like, you, you've got some new ideas about these gods. Why don't you come to it's quieter, and you tell us about who this God is. And remember, this is my if-then statement. If we were known before creation, then you were born for a time such as this. Listen to what Paul says in verse uh, 26 of chapter 17. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, 
that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him and to know that He's not actually that far from us. When I read that, it like a ton of bricks. To understand that not only did God know and have His idea of me before He created, but then He picked and chose the exact time and place and family and church and context to have me live. There are great implications to that. You need to understand. So if that means that he has chosen the time, the place, your genetic makeup, your race, your gender, all of the things that make you you, and then chose the time to plop you down, that means that this is the exact time, the most right time. You are existing right now because you are equipped right now to share the gospel right now at the most perfect time right now. That is huge. We're gonna, that's, that's part of our calling, and we're going to learn about that a little bit later, but i got to say it right now. If we were in the mind of the Creator before He created, and He ordains all of our days, that means He chose the time in which we are to live. That means He's gathering people right now around you that you don't even realize, that are in your midst to hear the gospel, and that they are there because you are equipped with just the right makeup to share that with them. Think about that. We're not here to sit on the sidelines. We're not here to be junior varsity, if you remember that. We're here to be in the game. You exist right now because you are equipped right now to be uh, sharers of the gospel right now at the most perfect time, right now. You're not an accident. Not an accident. There was intentionality behind making you and that he foreordained the time to plop us down to make the unknown God known. So who does God say I am? God says this. Before time began, God says I am. And before time began, I knew you. Rick Warren goes on to say, if there was no God we would all be accidents. The result of an astronomical random chance in the universe. Life would have no purpose or meaning or significance. No right, no wrong, and no hope beyond your belief. No hope beyond your brief years on earth. The experiment of humanity is not an experiment at all. In the mind of the creator, before he created, he also foreordained this time that you live in right now so that we may reflect his glory to others. And the very last thing that I would leave you, because everything that I have just said, most of it is true whether you believe in him or not. Non-believers aren't accidents either. He knew each and every one of us and uses each and every one of us to his glory. And if we place our faith in him Scriptures go one step further to say, not only did I know you before you were born, but then I also chose you to be my own before you even breathed into that, that first breath. The creator God who ordered the days, who hung the stars and the moon, who made the Grand Canyon, 
who did all of these amazing things, says the very good creation is, is Adam and Eve, is this humanity, that he would take that same amount of time and care and pour it into each and every one of us and each and every one of us to come. So know this. Who does God say you are? He says, I knew you before you even had to ask that question. And that should make all the difference in how we view our identity, our lives, in this world that we live in. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for things I don't even know how to thank you for. To sit with the thought that that before the world was the world, you, you knew who I was. You knew who, who they were. You knew the hairs on our head. You knew everything that was going to happen. As the psalmist says, such knowledge is it's just unthinkable. But all, I, all we can do is just fall before you in great awe and wonder and thank you. Thank you that you would, that you would call us into being. And in the times when our lives are rough and that we are in the depths of Sheol, Lord, convict our hearts to, to lean on you evermore, to know that even in the midst of these great sad things that are happening, you are there beside us and that you know us. Let us anchor ourselves into this first, into this first quality of who we are as we learn all the rest. Let it raise up a great wellspring of hope and assurance and trust and peace in our lives. For you are the Lord, and we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, brothers and sisters, you were created, and you were known before time ever began. Therefore, you go nowhere by accident. You live your lives not by accident. You know the Lord not by accident, and the people that are around you who need to know him too are there not by accident. So go and spread the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever you go. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great weekend, everybody.